0: Welcome back to building a fighter. My name is Dr. Austin Shane, sports chiropractor in Scottsdale, Arizona. With me, as always, bad ass strength coach in Denver, Colorado, Alex Friedman. What's shake bacon? What up, man? How are you? Good, how are you? I'm living, man. I'm pretty
1: tired on this Tuesday evening. Just got done with some jujitsu. Um, I did so awesome, got so many taps during the drilling portion. So nice, you hardo. <laughs> <laughs>
0: snapping on rear, rear naked chokes in the middle of practice
1: good i mean you have to finish it in a drill don't you or else gonna so. know how to finish it know if you match.
0: don't break a hyoid bone did you actually do it yeah um but no man i'm
1: good living just uh fourth of july ended up yesterday um not too much going on as far as anything new what about uh what about yourself
0: just living busy my football players are back um so that that eats up some time
1: they're almost in camp right It's like three, four weeks out.
0: Yep. They're three, three weeks away from going back to camp. Well, three and a half, but so. Dude, you know what's silly? power phase? You know what's
1: silly for college and NFL and even high school football is uh, I was doing a college football players program today and uh, I was like thinking like, what are my sport demands? What are my individual demands? And then I was like, yeah, but I still have to do a bunch of capacity training because I know they're going to murder him in camp.
0: Mm hmm. Dude, that's the worst. That's that's, like, I'm not training
1: you to play football or to be better. I'm training you so that your football coaches don't murder you right now.
0: Yep, dude. And it's it's also one of those things that like looking at all the programs of guys going in, working with guys at every level now, like I'm more preparing them for what they're about to go into the weight room for. And I know like, oh, they're going to do heavy back squats over here. Well, I'm going to actually change what I'm doing based around. Oh, I know they're just doing back squats and no accessory work, stuff like that.
1: So I'm going to. Bring something up and throw it in your face really hard right now. Um, remember when we were arguing about whether to clean or not? Yeah. And one of my key points of why I taught people how to clean was because I knew they needed that to prepare mm-hmm. for their college demands. And you told me that I was adding to the problem and that I was doing a bad job. And now, You're doing something similar to prepare your athletes, even though it's something you don't really want them to do. For sure. So you've learned and evolved as a strength coach. Welcome to my house, motherfucker. I
0: don't think that's what I'm saying. This
1: is my house.
0: No, um, I see where you're coming from, but I, I think that's different under the scope of I'm preparing them from a capacity standpoint and different things like that versus they're going into cleaning anyways, they're going to be taught how to clean in the, in the actual weight room. I've fallen back
1: in love with, I've fallen back in love with cleans recently, actually. And, uh, I've been doing them myself and I've been teaching the high school football team that I do them with and they're starting to come together. I'm happy with uh, the progression that the high schoolers have been on. And then I've been enjoying pursuing it myself. And uh, I know your opinion and I know you don't think it's, a great movement biomechanically as far as pulling from the ground and blah 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 but i will say and there, there's a caveat that if you can power clean and you have good good enough technique and you can do relatively heavy weight you're you have to be a robust athlete like sure. there there's no there's no halfway in halfway out doing a power clean and that that's always been my one of my arguments when I talk about training, like weightlifting derivatives, like a clean pole, or where you pull it up to your shoulders, like a high pole versus a full clean where you catch it on your shoulders and do a front squat. There's a way different intent and level of athleticism that's required to do a full clean. That's just not present when you need to do clean pulls.
0: For sure. But my argument with cleans isn't necessarily that I think they're a bad exercise. I don't think they're a bad exercise. I think the amount of time I have to go into teaching proper form could be spent elsewhere for most of the athletes I work with.
1: But what if you were a better Coach of the clean.
0: But that's what I'm saying. There's still a process they need to go through, right? I'm only seeing them two to three times a week, maybe four for my NFL guys, but typically two to three times a week. And one of those each week would have to be taught on teaching the clean for probably what? One month to six weeks.
1: Mm, I'd say if you get proficient in coaching and teaching a clean, you could get somebody full cleaning to actually get a training effect. Yeah. Within a month.
0: So it's within four weeks, or what am I trying to get out of the movement? Typically triple extension at a high velocity. I can just, everybody inherently knows how to just lock those lats in before I do a trap bar jump shrug and I can get dynamic high velocity triple extension, which is essentially the main goal of a clean for the most part. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. It's just the, I can teach something in one session versus having to wait for four sessions to actually even trust my athlete to implement. Well, I
1: mean, exercise. you could, you could make that argument any progression though. Like you could still, you could still do like a, tr- a, straight bar jump shrug and then progress it into clean that way. Like, um, one of the key examples is you're not going to throw somebody into heavy ass rear foot, elevated split squats for a session. And so, oh, I have to spend a month progressing them to be ready to do this. So I'm just never going to do it. Right. Like, you see where that argument like kind of eats in on itself.
0: Yeah, but I don't see it's it's the dynamicness of the movement, right? Roof foot elevated split squats. I can I I do have my athletes get to a heavy roof foot split squat because it's all it is, it's just piston movements, right? There's there's really only a couple things going on. You want it to be a little bit hingy, a little bit squatty, so it's the same loading pattern as a trap bar. You need their tailbone to go back towards the bench, almost like a plane landing. And I need you to keep that vertical orientation of your chest while pushing through your big toe, pinky toe and heel. That's it, right? it's just one movement up, one movement down. My problem is when people go and they're doing the dynamic movement, that is the clean. There's so many different parts of the movement that could go wrong. Is the catch there? Are they catching too low? Are they catching too high? Are they going to dynamically load their lumbar spine into flexion because they don't know how to catch that movement? And Mm -hmm. typically people, when they're cleaning, they want to put the weight up. So I could have an athlete do a 225 pound trap bar jump shrug, way easier than I would trust an athlete to do a two plate clean. So that that's what I kind of look at it as is a strength movements way easier to teach than a power movement, no matter yeah. what, from, from that Olympic lifting standpoint.
1: I see your point. And I, I, uh, what is the word? I agree with you that the clean is a way more complex movement. I just like it. I just, uh, I just think dude, there's something I think it's a great movement. that has to happen. And I feel good about coaching it. And I like, uh, no, I just like the intent of it. Like, and I know this argument doesn't really count for much, but like <laughs> the personal feeling of a clean is way fucking harder than a trap bar jump shot. For
0: sure. For sure.
1: And, and, it, and I've had a, a million athletes tell me that as well. And like, you know, that for football specifically, too. This here's here's I'm just pouring all of my clean arguments right down your throat. Dude, um, I use my
0: power cleans for my football athletes. I because you football have football to have that,
1: that immediate, eccentric, isometric catch yeah. action that mimics contact like that's your part of your contact prep yep. so like as far as looking at it for football players 100 and then like few and far between select mma fighters like most of my fighters forgive me don't have a high enough training age nor do they want to learn how to clean so
0: right and and that's the majority of the people i work with it's like and you also have to i feel like programming too you have to gauge their interest do they even care about this movement because for oh, the yeah, most I part mean,
1: Way back when, like one of our first podcasts, this man, we have bow on is like, you can see people's eyes light up. Like if there's something they're checking out on mm-hmm. and we go back and forth, like methodologies for, I you know, I know we're just arguing about power methodologies right now, but methodologies for the most part don't matter. Yeah. Right. Like if, if I have a UFC vet that has 20 fights in and they're, you know, whatever, 33, 34, I probably don't need to teach them how to do a new, cl- how to do a clean unless they come to me and say, Hey, I need, I want to learn how to do this thing outside of my fight training, you know, or whatever. Like, sure. If you're interested, let's do it. But to get the training effect, you don't have to do a clean or have to do a trap bar jump short
0: for sure. Well, like that's like, that's how I feel about a lot of odd implements as well. Like I had, I had an athlete come up to me and ask to do more mace work. They're like, I really want to learn how to use this. This this is, I feel like it's because they
1: saw it on Instagram
0: probably, but their curiosity brought me. I could teach them all the way through a mace progression, and we did some different movements through the mace, and that made them feel more confident. In the movement that they had because it was something they had interest in. Their interest drove them to have more confidence, which at the end of the day, to me, is the main part of their physical preparation. It's just being confident going in. Sure.
1: Yeah, I totally agree. I get a a good reaction from kettlebells. I love kettlebell training.
0: Yeah. Well, it's the same thing for people playing touch butt in the park. Like (laughs) Connor McGregor was doing all the Ito Bortal flow stuff the entire time. But But he felt great about it. He felt great about it. He went in there and he was just boom, laser focused. Yeah. It's not necessarily the training he was doing. It's the confidence he had in his preparation. Yeah. Um,
1: I actually have been thinking about, and I'm, I'm, I'm fairly competent with kettlebells and I know how to teach and coach a lot of different movements and put flows together. Like uh, I had an athlete doing some like swings to high pulls, to cleans, to snatches, and just a bunch of various movements. And I like the complexes i like a lot of the training effects from them and i was even flirting with doing like a strong first certification i wonder what what do you think about that
0: i love strong first stuff um i've read i've read all the books they put out i have some buddies that are strong first certified um, i would love to do it. i just hate that everything's fucking like 500 dollars, man yeah but that's i mean that's the Prices that they set their price, right? So if you want to learn kettlebell places, there's really only three or four, right? There's Royal Kettlebell, there's uh strong first, something that starts with a K and then one more. Um the other one, yeah, KB pros one or something like that. But there's only a few kettlebell certifications out there. If if you really want to learn that stuff, they've put in a lot of time to come up with these protocols.
1: So- I like the strong first one too, because you have to do your physical fitness test as part of your certification, yeah. which I kind of like, it's not immediately applicable, but is fucking pretty badass.
0: I saw Rich Olm's training for his right now, I believe. I Damn, and I, I see I his sh- Instagram stories. He's doing the whole, like, windmill thing and doing the kettlebell swings for, I think it's like a Tabata or something like that.
1: No, it's, uh, you have to do, I think you have to do 100 snatches each arm in five minutes. That's what minutes. it was, yeah. And there's, like, RX weights for, for men and women. Pavel That's Patsui. fucking nuts. Oh, you- shit. I was certified instructors, not... Okay. Sorry. I was, I'm I'm on their page right now,
0: dude. I like those, those courses though are probably so useful both clinically and for the healthcare people listening. And, uh, from a performance standpoint, because (laughs) teaching somebody a good, like unilateral kettlebell squat, just from a front rack, you know how good that could be for somebody's rehab. Dude,
1: I love kettlebell front rack squats and even kettlebell goblet squats, man. They're just so undervalued.
0: They're my favorite. Honestly, we have uh, our, one of our kettlebells goes up to 97. And that's one of my favorite things to do is just have somebody like heavy rear footwork. Like like we talked about, have somebody hold the 97 pound goblet and just do like sets of trip like trips.
1: Yeah. Like those are fucking great. Man, they are all over. The closest one that I would have to go to is Las Vegas in February. Nice. Long ass way away.
0: What is strong first price right now? 420?
1: 425? Uh,
0: check her out oh my god twelve hundred dollars for all of them or just for one course just for a weekend course for
1: one weekend course Damn. jesus christ
0: well, probably making their fuck i should have done it for five hundred dollars and no shit,
1: shit. well <laughs> love to hate you strong first just watch all your youtube videos it
0: goes. that's why we're making our own certifications
1: <laughs> dude I, the silly part about that is like well for me personally, is like, I know the technical movements. I know how to get them done. Like, I mean, obviously you're going to pay for their expertise and expertise and they're going to have little nuggets of knowledge, but man, $1,200 for nuggets of knowledge Better yeah. fucking, I better get Pavel, Pavel Tatsumi to fucking sign a t-shirt and a kettlebell and I'm leaving with, that's actually what it better be. I better leave with a whole set of kettlebells.
0: Yeah. You get to leave with. An 18, a 35, and a, a 55. Christ, man. Yeah, But, okay. I mean, I will say, one of the biggest thing about courses, though, is the networking that you get to do. Like, if you make two good connections and get three tidbits of knowledge to leave with, you're typically leaving ahead in the overall.
1: Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right now, I'm just perusing their website. All right, what was your idea that you wanted to do on this podcast, my man? After we get <sighs> our little five to 10 minute oh, preamble
0: um, what I think would be cool is to have people sit in, it could be hypothetical or it could be real. If you have a program, you got to write up or something like that, um, sit in on one of our programming meetings, because I realize that people at home don't know how the bacon is made. They don't know what, what we typically talk about, what actually goes into program design for each and every one of our building a fighter athletes, um, as well as what normal strength coaches do in order to plan out. an athletes will say like a meso, like a one month mezzo cycle.
1: Cool with you, mm-hmm. Yeah, dude. I'm totally done. I love, I mean, programming is my jam. You know that. So I think any open ears and open process oh. would be great, man.
0: So you want a hypothetical or you got something you want to program? Mm-hmm,
1: mm-hmm.
0: Let's do a hypothetical and let's do, let's
1: do a welterweight. Okay. Um, what, experience, say,
0: what, uh, what training age will say, not what experience.
1: Uh, let's say he just made it into the UFC. Okay. Let's say he fights in 12 weeks. Okay. And he is a Muay Thai, I guess, base. Okay.
0: What's his training age? Like, what kind of, what's his history with weight training?
1: Mm, oh, man. I don't know. Why would I know?
0: <laughs> You're hypothetical, homie. <laughs> Let's say he's intermediate. Right in the middle,
1: nah, let's go novice because every MMA fighter is a novice, if we're being honest. Fair, fair. No cleans, <laughs> uh, <laughs> no cleans all day, man. Let's put him on a progression. He'll be uh, uh he'll hit his PR right before his fight. Perfect.
0: Um, okay. And are we doing 12
1: weeks out? Um, so I guess let's go through this. We just went through a little bit of his demographics, my and I think we've talked about this for my first. Priority is time. How much? What's our timetable? What are we trying to accomplish? How are we trying to go? So, we got twelve weeks. Maybe like, if you want to look at that as like a ambiguous four weeks out of camp phase. So, in my mind, we can do a little bit of concurrent training with a little emphasis on general strength or yep. uh, general strength. I don't know the other real like force just velocity cap- curve.
0: Yeah, well, just capacity work, right? Yeah. Just GPP work that's going to focus on trying to lift up all of the thresholds that you can in that yeah. given amount of time, which is really four to five weeks. So concurrent
1: training, which
0: meaning we're going to work on all those different
1: capacities at the same time. Let's go. How many days a week do you want to do two or three?
0: Um, I would say if we're out of camp, which technically this would be out of camp, I'd say three.
1: OK, so three day a week, uh, general strength concurrent program. And one of the things that I do when I program almost every athlete is I filter them into my process, which is a like a modified block periodization, right? Mm-hmm. So I have a four week phase. Our phase here is going to be focused on strength and capacity. And that's technically like a block program, even though we're not doing a strict block, we're not just going to do strength work. Like I said, we're doing concurrent stuff. So even though our emphasis of our block is on strength, we're still going to touch power. We're still going to touch conditioning. We're still going to touch, you know, hypertrophy, correctives, um, mobility, and, and every other athletic quality But the four-week phase is based around strength. Um, It's probably going to be a little daily undulation. Maybe we'll just go linear. Uh, How do you feel about that?
0: Um, For an athlete of where he's at, I like the daily undulating. Um, Give him a little bit of variety as long as we're focusing on the same key concepts, right? That would allow him to stay interested in the GPP, which we know can kind of drag people. Yeah, I'm not saying... I'm not saying it's the best thing to do personally. I would like to do linear here, but an athlete who's a striking athlete, typically they're not going to have as much interest in the weight room. I know that's a stereotype, but striking is way more fun than lifting. Judging
1: and assuming. Um, I agree with the points that you made and I definitely would want to go linear with this guy because he's a novice and because he's probably going to make strength gains or gains regardless. What was my other justification? Um, He can be more consistent in that. Right. Yeah. We don't have to try and plan around like where's the high day supposed to go, where's the low day supposed to go. Like, what's your training week look like? We should get into the weeds on that stuff, but with the linear program, it's just a little bit easier to be like, oh, okay, like Tuesdays your high training day. It doesn't really matter because we have the same type of strength and issues. Stress on Wednesday.
0: Um. So final answer. Worry about yeah. My heart, my heart says linear programming. My brain. Says so daily undulating. My vote's for
1: linear. So we're going to do linear. <laughs> um, we'll give him variety in our exercise selection. There you go. Cool. Perfect. All right. So we got a general strength block that is linear three days a week um, for about four weeks. How do you typically set up your mesocycle, which is like our month of training? How do you go week by week? with your motorcycle? What's your emphasis is, or how do you vary that stimulus?
0: Well, it depends on, I mean, that just comes from my assessment at the beginning. It it depends on what, what characteristic we're trying to go after. It depends on what part of the force velocity curve we're trying to go after, if it's going to be accessory work versus if it's going to be like, we're doing like main strength work. Mm -hmm. Um, Depending on if I'm trying to build up like capacity or not powers, not the right word, but uh, load, I guess would be the right way would be the two things. So if I'm trying to build somebody a bigger gas tank, I'll probably do increase by sets um, or, or, or sorry, increase by sets or reps typically. And then if I'm going to focus on just general strength and focus on trying to make them stronger in a given range, then I'm going to focus on increasing the load each week.
1: So with our guy in this context, which would you focus more on in the span of these
0: four weeks i would probably go towards if he's a novice personally i would go towards the former where i would increase sets and reps because it's going to give him more volume which is going to get more motor control over the movements
1: yeah and i don't disagree with that i would love to see i mean then again we created this guy so we can make it up but like what's his strength to power numbers look like you know like even if he is a novice like can he deadlift 400 pounds like if he can then we'll probably just go to the capacity route anyway. But like, like let's say he's a welterweight and he can only deadlift 250. Like mm. we need him stronger. Right? right. So that's where you choose and, and pick your battles based on your assessment of the individual. Um, what I typically do over my mesocycle is, and this is a really prime case because we're technically out of camp and I have like free reins to do whatever I want. Like I won't feel bad for smashing him. Quote unquote. Mm. Um, First week is kind of your base week. Like we're introducing the movements. There's enough volume to create a stimulus. And then second week, I always intensify first. So we add weight to see if we can do more. We see if we can maintain our position. Third week, volume is kind of what's going to get the overload. So third week, I add a set, add a rep, add here or there. And then the fourth week is quote unquote, your deload, right? Um, A little modification to that. What I've been doing recently is with my strength work, So if we have like a trap bar deadlift in the middle of our workout, right, is our primary strength movement. I'm not going to necessarily increase that with reps every week. I wouldn't, I'm not looking for a capacity gain out of that, even though we could train it for that. Um, What I'm looking for every week on the trap bar is increase in strength or increase in load. So on the trap bar over the four weeks, I'm going to try and increase the loads and maybe I'll jump a set on the volume week, but we're trying to get more weight on the bar. And then like, let's say on the accessory work, That's where we could exclusively, he's doing a site blink. We could exclusively progress the volume in that, you know, maybe add five seconds per week. And then on the overload
0: week, add another
1: set with the plus five seconds. So
0: this is where I wish he wasn't a novice and we can just do a cluster set and kill two birds with one stone. Well, I mean,
1: (laughs) yeah. And he would probably adapt to that. Like that's the beauty of novices, right? Is that they adapt to everything. So, but at at what point is it just like
0: throwing a formula
1: one at, a uh, 16 year old.
0: You don't need to do that. They, they can handle go-karts. Well, you it's can tough. and they have so much testosterone in their system that they're going to get better even if you just like tapped them on the shoulder. <laughs>
1: <laughs> right? And that's what uh that's what I talk about when I'm training high schoolers like yes, yeah, what we do in the weight room matters and yes our programming is super valid, but man, I could touch these guys and they're going to get stronger. Like
0: don't talk about touching high schoolers, Alex. <laughs>
1: Well, I wrestle high schoolers a lot, so I don't know what this is about me. Ooh, I'm a coach. One, I'm settle down. Right there. I'm a coach. Settle down.
0: All right. So we are. So main strength block. Day one, we're doing trap bar deadlifts. We already talked about that. Okay.
1: Um, uh, do you want, would you do that first or would that be later on? Yeah.
0: Depends on how they deadlift. I mean, I'm going to watch them move first. It's just in hip hinge format. Okay. Oh, you're uh, talking about first in the program. Got you. Yeah. There's a warm up everybody. Yeah, right, <laughs> um, that's what I was looking for, big guy. Uh, shit, yeah, there's. Funny. I was thinking. I was thinking of an A block. Yeah, there's a warm up, and <laughs> a warm ups. My typical go to is going to be some sort of upper body prep, like shoulders. Typically, typically our ball and socket joints, so shoulders and hips. I like to get the spine moving and grooving too. Some sort of total body movement and something else that's going to raise the the heart rate as you're going. Yeah. So, like a, an easy example of a warm up would be two sets through. We'll do sideline shoulder sweep, which is going to get the shoulder and the spine. After that, that's going to be eight each way. After that, we're going to go into like a walking lunge with a archer or shoulder sweep. So the same type of movement, shoulder, spine, but then get the hips involved. Then we can go into a crab reach, which is an animal flow movement, which is total body, but it's also spine generally. Then some banded lateral walks for 10 steps each way to get the hips moving and then ride the air bike for a minute or two and just do that for two sets in a continuous cycle.
1: Yeah. One that I've been having a lot of my college wrestlers do actually is uh, a minute of jump rope and then 10 yards of bear crawl forward and backwards. Perfect. Yeah. I I like that one. I mean, that's my heart rate obviously, but it's also a little shoulder and hip prep with the core gluing it all together. So I've been doing that on Tuesday, Friday mornings with some of my college wrestlers, Mm -hmm. but um, no, that's great. And then in my program, I would go to a power block, right? Cause we got a concurrent system going on.
0: Yeah. But I thought we were focusing on general, general strength. Yeah. You can do
1: power while focusing on general strength.
0: No, for sure. For sure. But I meant, isn't So if we're doing general strength as the main overall focus, wouldn't you want to put that first for just, unless you're just talking about like a hot start, like just trying to get the heart rate up again, like CNS prep. Yeah. I guess that's where I go back and forth.
1: Like, um, I mean, textbook wise, you would do your power stuff next. Cause it's like most energy demanding. So I would, I would typically like, I would set some plyometric progressions or maybe this is where we can do our clean teaching type of stuff. Just depending on what exercise we select, it's quote unquote power, but it's also like more technical. So it's not going to kill them crazy, but yeah, I would go to like a power block, like actual, like uh, training for power.
0: Yeah. And that's so like for example, like that's what I do with my football players. Like, um, an example today is we did uh we did heavy bench. Um and before that I had them both one did a just ten seconds on, twenty seconds off uh emom of landmine press for a little bit on each side, just going back and forth, or I guess inverse Tabata. The other one was doing an air bike hot start. It was just ten seconds on, twenty seconds off, two minutes. Yeah. And they just get it going like that. So they're getting the motor like fast twitch motor units firing as fast as they can, but it's not mm-hmm. anything that's going to overload them. So we can go in. Yeah. I this just, is a, oh, well, ahead. yeah, I was just gonna say my, my big thing is I've, I've talked with coaches. And I've had not just discussions with coaches. Whereas if the main, what's the number one primary goal of what you're trying to do? Shouldn't that be the thing that should be the most uninhibited possible that's in your program? It's just like if you're going into practice to learn a single, like a certain setup to a single leg, why are you only focusing on the finishes when you get there? That type of thing where it's still a part of the same movement, right? But shouldn't the main thing stay the main thing?
1: Sure. Yeah. No, I don't, I don't disagree. I just, again, I like to start with power stuff because I don't know where <laughs> else I'm going to put it if we neglect it. You know, I wouldn't like, yeah. no, I do should I, totally agree. Mean. Like the meat and potatoes are the meat and potatoes. But if we've gone through our warm up, let's say we're like, you know, at most five to ten minutes into the session, like we could spend another five on a like a three by three single leg hop, broad jump, complex, or something like that. Right, right.
0: Like, no, I'm talking. I'm talking more from people that they're supposed to be focusing on strength, and they hit their like their heavy cleans right before they go into what's supposed to be their main movement, which is their general strength.
1: Sure. Yeah, I definitely agree. Like, keep the main thing the main thing. But in this program, I would like to do. <laughs> This agree, program, we're doing
0: single leg hops. Some <laughs> shit that I want to do. <laughs>
1: um, yeah, which again, I mean, again, I want to go through these power motions and teach them because once we hit SPP or we get in camp, quote unquote, like we're going to peak some of those strength or the, sorry, excuse me, those power qualities. And if we try and jump into like medicine ball throws and this guy's an novice, never done any medicine balls throw. Like we're losing time in camp by trying to teach him how to mess medicine
0: ball throw. For sure. That makes sense. So it's, it's more or less but if like you're, but what, like what I'm saying is warm up or or teaching block, if you want to call it that for sure. But what I'm saying is, wouldn't we be able to, cause it's just a teaching thing. Because if you're if you're using it more on the power development side, where you're trying to get their like get their brain to recognize what's going on, couldn't we just do that after the strength block?
1: Yes, because... I'll
0: give in to this one for the sake <laughs> of
1: the episode. Um, yeah, you're not making this like a normal program meeting at all. Usually, you just march to my orders. Bullshit.
0: I know. No, now I get to say <laughs> everybody can listen.
1: <laughs> so Austin's got to be right because he's got an audience now. Um, okay, so we'll go straight into our no, strength but... after
0: our warm up. Cool. Um, so of the trap bar deadlift, we based off his progressions, yada, yada, what we want to start him at, we'll do our working sets starting at 80%, 80 to 85%. Yeah, and that's fine. Yeah, if yeah. we're increasing weight, we'll just progressively overload to like 87 and a half to 90. Sure. Maybe we'll start a little
1: shyer, like 80, just so that we have all clean technique and like yeah. set rep scheme. Like when I think traditional strength, I, in a trap bar, I think like either four by four, four by five, yeah. somewhere around there. So yeah um four sets of five that's what i'm doing with my actually what i'm doing with my college wrestlers right now is they have front squat and trap bars are their main movements and they're doing four sets of four and their last set is a rep out nice heck yeah so you want to do that yeah that's fine with me cool um and cool then that. based on each week you'll see how much he gets on the rep out like if he hits 12 on the first week then obviously we're underloading him if he gets like two then we're overloading right so, right. um, and it's safe because you're calling technical failure, and he's already pre-fatigued. So it's pretty low threshold risk. Yeah, yeah. So all four APRE by four, in there. You know, I like that shit. Uh, four by four with a rep out on the fifth set. Are we pairing
0: anything with it? Um, I'd think so. I'd like to do whether it be a trunk corrective, um, or this is where actually I would add in contrast training just lower lower grade movements but doing like a like adding my power movement in after the strength okay yeah we
1: can do a little teaching progression there too which not really true contrast training but if we're going to contrast in the next phase it's a good prep so why don't we do our broad jumps right after yeah and
0: that's what i was thinking we could just do a broad jump right after and make sure they stick in the correct order you want to do one or
1: three i want to do three but i want them to be individual
0: reps yeah okay so not repeating. So three, just singles.
1: Yeah. Three singles. Cool. So, yeah. And then we can throw your corrective in there as like a quote unquote rest break slash.
0: Right. I'd think like, uh, for, if we're doing trap bar deadlift, we'd either want to do some sort of hip mobility or a trunk stability. I prefer trunk stability. Cause that's the piece that's probably going to break. So maybe let's say like a kettlebell dead bug where they're going to have to be in a dead bug. They're going to rock back with like a 35 to 55 pound kettlebell until they start to feel lumbar high like, Hyperlordosis. smash that back into neutral and then just move the legs for like a set of eight
1: yeah could do that or similar stimulus same thing i like a banded overhead yeah and you just lock the shoulders in so either one of those two you know and i would only go three sets on that with maybe like six to eight each yep. leg or some shit yep. all right so that's our a block with the trap bar deadlift then i would i typically with a hinge pattern i like to go to the press next so, okay. yep. uh, so maybe we could go just like a half kneeling landmine press or whatever, same rep mm-hmm. set scheme four by four last set rep out. Um, or we could go standing just depending on where he's at and stability wise. Um, and then paired with that. So we did a contrast. Do you want to contrast the upper body too? That'd be easy.
0: Yeah, we could um i was actually thinking jumping into like an anti-rotation trunk thing but like if we're doing the landmine already we could do just a standing landmine press and then pair that up with like a landmine anti-rotation sure i'm down with that uh what do you th- i think we should introduce med balls here so okay. let's go
1: um let's go with that landmine press uh for our strength sets and then right if that was just grab pick up a med ball and we could do like a single response shot put into the wall mm-hmm. um do that for maybe three each side, two or three each side. Really just, again, getting the technique down, understanding where to shift the hips, shift your weight, rotate, and get some power out of it. And then we can go right back to the landmine with your anti-rotation um, movements. Yeah. So pairing them
0: up into what, two tri-sets?
1: Yeah. So warm up, two tri-sets, and then probably time for accessory work and maybe a little conditioning at the end.
0: Yeah. You want to add in, we could add in like a density circuit, kill two birds, one stone.
1: Perfect. I like farmer carries.
0: Yeah. Farmer's carries, I could add in. I've been throwing neck bridges in. Those are my favorite new toy to throw at people. So how do you mean the, that bridge Uh base of your skull is on a box or on the bench or whatever it may be. You're up in a glute bridge, maintain a neutral hold. spine, just yeah, yeah, an yeah. ISO hold of the neck and keep you stay Perfect. in retraction. <laughs> so it's relatively safe. Yeah. All right. Sweet
1: farmer carry ISO neck hole. I think we need one more, probably a hip mobility since we skipped over that with the,
0: oh, I was totally going to say sled push.
1: <laughs> <laughs> You're an asshole. Um, <laughs> that'd be completely fine. I'm cool with that. Or maybe even a, Let's maybe think. Uh... We
0: could also add in like rower if you want, because then they get the hip mobility of having to go up and down. But that's another one. Talking about something that I'd I'd rather just pick a different instrument. I hate teaching people how to row
1: because it's <laughs> always wrong. <laughs> yeah it's not it's not super ergonomically friendly and there's a little too much skill that nobody ever thinks about okay. but uh
0: <laughs> maybe we'll do
1: a yeah, slip is just fine or a sled drag or
0: we could just do low bear crawl like it's the hip mobility component because i have to mobilize i have to be able to stay in that 90 90
1: what about a lateral bear crawl yeah that's fine same exact shit okay farmer carry low bear and neck bridge which is a pretty killer density <laughs> circuit you know maybe 15, 20 yards each or a 30 second hold. And you just put them on a repeating loop for like eight minutes.
0: Yeah. I was going to say, yeah, actually I was going to say starting at eight and then progressively overload to 12, just two minutes.
1: Yeah. And so that's a good place to like demonstrate what we were talking about with like progressions over the next few weeks. Like the trap bar deadlift and the landmine press that we're doing, we would not add sets to that. Mm -hmm. That would be purely a load-based progression. So we just add weight. Um, This density circuit at the end, that's where we would increase volume every single week. So I would probably go up two minutes next week, two minutes the following week, maybe drop back down to eight for our deload week.
0: Yep, 100%. Or that's the easy. other thing that's cool too is you could play with intensities. That's, that's density circuits are one of my favorite ways to try to yeah. teach people pace. Right. So, like you play with like 70% this week, their 70% should hit this, this time frame. All right. 80% the next week, this 80 this is what your 80% should be. Oh, 90% next week, this is what your 90% is next week. So they know what these zones are. Because yeah. if our desired goal is potentially a heart rate response, which a density circuit, that is one of the goals, I can just have more a heart strap and I know where their heart rate is based around their zones.
1: Yeah. And again, density circuit's a great tool too because there's something like we can learn where uh from skill coaches where we can almost like read them week by week too so let's say week one they're like crushing it they're not having a hard time at all they get six rounds in eight minutes which is pretty good pace and then next week we decide that we need to intensify the strength numbers aren't where we want so it's like all right we'll make this a strength-based density circuit we up the weights and all of a sudden they can't handle shit right so like we see like a two and a half round drop off or whatever so that gives us intel where the next week all right we can find a happy medium we can still push the strength this and that and so um that's where we almost like play it by ear that's where you're not married to your program right all programs are written in pencil because there is a lot of on-the-spot coaching that happens and there needs to be on-the-fly adjustments um which again is just part of coaching in general.
0: Yep. No, hundred percent. That's why I love density circuits. I throw them into to most athletes programs, like a lot, <laughs> like a lot. Yeah. Uh, all right. So that was day one, Uh cool down, just like some regen breathing, focus, focus, breathing from the belly, from the diaphragm, and then just land face up in a cold, dark room, trying to focus on recovery. Anywhere okay, three out. to five minutes. Yep. Exactly. Go to timeout uh, next day. If we didn't trap our deadlift on the first day, what do you want to do? Uh, upper body pull movement yeah, or yeah. no, no, because there's a Muay Thai fighter ah, pulling. If they're going to clinch, um, do you I want? might you push or you want to pull.
1: Let's go upper body pull. Cool. And so that's pretty easy where we can hit our warm up, And like you said, we had a general formula for that. Um, maybe like a pull-up like a weighted pull-up yeah love it easy Uh pair that do, I mean we don't have to contrast that do you want to contrast that
0: no I mean you can't I, so as this progresses for people at home this is where I really like like upper body pull-up movements I like to do a French contrast which is four different types of contrast training for the people at home but that gives you general overall power output increase but for the general strength block leave it the fuck right there just, yeah, <laughs> just keep it.
1: French contract. not have a place there and that's for more advanced trainees anyway. Um, so he's not, so off of that, off the way pull-ups, we can go to, a, I would go a core than a stability exercise or a core then a mobility exercise.
0: Well, so, so I would. So are we talking about in the A block? Sure. Because I'd really typically with pull ups, I like to do some sort of like whether it be lumbar like lumbar flexion a little bit or just straight up like trunk work because they drop into that hyperextension of the pull up.
1: Sure. Every single person. Yeah. So, so what
0: what would you go like a flexion like a, a uh, hollow hold or yeah, like hollow that. hold alternating v ups stuff like that as long as I trust the athlete to maintain um, not excessive flexion of the lumbar spine. Like as long as I've taught them a hinge and they're proficient at the movement, I would throw in any sort of safe lumbar flexion and or anti rotation movement or anti extension movements.
1: Yeah. What I've been liking for anti extension a lot is like a TRX, like Superman or a TRX, uh, rollout. I like those a lot forces you. It's like a, it's a lot of shoulder. Um, got really showing my green gills here. Is that extension going up? Yeah. Yeah. So shoulder extension paired with.
0: Sorry, shoulder flexion.
1: Exactly. Paired with.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I was drinking and I'm like, yeah, I wasn't even looking. And I'm like, no, that's flexion.
1: (laughs) Paired with your uh, concave core or your lumbar flexion. So, okay, cool. We'll do that. And then what type of mobility do you like, Mobility Master? Maybe like cars. Mobility
0: Master. All right. Some Um, unimpeding to the shoulders. Yeah. Uh, sometimes they even do impeding. This is where I would typically add in uh scapular cars, whether it be oh, like, yeah. like, uh, like external or internal rotation blocks or straight up, like from a prone press up. Cause kill two birds, one stone. I get them into passive extension, not active extension, which will relax some of the muscles and then get them going through shoulder blade circles all the way right. forward, all the way backwards. I can dig. I can dig. So
1: we did all shoulders in the first block. Now I think we can hit some – I would like to do lower body press. I don't know. Probably bilateral because nah, – no, let's go unilateral because then next day it could be our bilateral lower body press. So let's go – I, for lunge. the most part,
0: always – yeah. I mean, I'm either going to do a lunge or a foot elevated split squat.
1: Either or. Um, let's go Just with a, a lunge. Honestly,
0: yeah, that's fine because it depends on his ankle mobility and his big toe mobility for split squat. Sure. So – Let's
1: go, let's go reverse lunges and we can either do that. Uh, we were talking about it earlier. Let's do a kettlebell front or rack. dual kettlebell, front rack, reverse lunge. Easy money. Easy peasy
0: lemon squeezy. I mean, or I can... would
1: go like four by six each side. That's not something we need to yeah. super overload.
0: No, four by six. Yeah, four by six. Uh, we could pair that up. This is where I also start to add in like a 3D picture sure. where I'll do, if we're doing a lunge, then I'll do either like a lateral slider squat, or you could add in a Copenhagen. Or add just do the plane a
1: little bit. Yeah, I like to do like uh upper body transverse action. So maybe like a, a cable row plus rotation, or like yeah, cable uh, row T spine rotation.
0: Yeah, like fuck that.
1: Uh, and that'll reinforce our pulling action and keep us in a good shoulder position. Last one, maybe ankle
0: Copenhagen. Copenhagen, Copenhagen. Okay. He likes Copenhagen folk. Yeah. Cause I, then we're hitting the hip in a 3d as we're going through, even though the other one's an upper body pull, you still have to rotate through those hips. And then, yeah, yeah I like that. That's actually pretty good. I like that one. We should be writing this down. <laughs> yeah. This will be our next general <laughs> template. Um, um, but yeah. Finish and then,
1: that day with some, I think just some, uh, aerobic yeah. work. That's fine maybe like thresholds, maybe like three, four minute goes or something. Yeah. Air bike. Yeah. At a aerobic pace, not a lactic pace.
0: Right. Which Alex, what's an aerobic pace for people?
1: <laughs> a good little test is to make sure that you can have a conversation as you keep going. Like it shouldn't be an easy conversation that you can breathe through like this, but you should be able to string two or three sentences together before you can't talk anymore. You know, if you're going a little bit faster than that, you can only say one sentence and you have to take a big breath. That's borderline lactic pace, right? If you can only get a word out, then you're going way too far. So that's an easy talk test. Um, You can do a little bit of heart rate monitor and that typically aerobic pace caps out at like 140, 145 for most people, depending on how fit you are. So, and another consideration, which we we haven't even thought about or glanced over is like, where's his weight at, right? So uh, we could hit like easy 15 mile or 15 minute bike ride. And that would, if we stuck around 125, 135 heart rate, that's fat burning zone, right? I like to tag those on the end of our strength workouts too. Like if he's, you know, 20, 30 pounds over, like we got to get going. Got to get started. Yeah. So yeah, we're in fat camp, buddy. Um, So yeah, I think all those are good options. Just a little steady state at the end of the day. And then what I'm already thinking next is I would go straight to our day one format for day three, just different movements.
0: hundred percent. That's Keep and an also for, it's, it's just better because then they get that increase in volume too. the yeah. more density circuits at the end of your concurrent training, typically for the more novice athletes, they're going to have high return on investment because they're getting exposed to so many different movements. Right. And they get to practice them.
1: That's like yeah. one of the biggest things I like about high volume training, um, which density circuits
0: are pretty high volume within a limited scope. I, I shouldn't say that. Willy nilly, well, but, but they are though, because I mean, it's one of those things that how, how much easier is it to do two sets of 15 than it is to do six minutes straight of certain exercises. Yeah. Two sets of 15. Like, it's super easy, but it could, it could really be the same amount of volume. But if once you add in the aerobic component, as you're going through, it's just so much fucking harder for the athlete.
1: Yeah. And you learn where they're going to compensate real quick. Um, okay. Day three general warm up, And I would probably go to like, uh, front squat back squat some type of bilateral push movement Uh, you goblet squat depending on his training age
0: yeah i I like i mean i'd go i always just go safety squat because i have one there and it's easy to use but it's it's some sort of squat movement that the athlete likes and you can give
1: some sort of training stimulus same red set scheme four by four last set max out um with those weights, what I typically do if we're like, trying to determine load or I don't have a particular one rep max for a person, um, first week you kind of feel it out. You find where they're where good, quote-unquote, working weight is. They can maintain their technique, still challenging, um, and you can really get exposed on the rep out. But I can do ascending sets in those, and at least in the first week. I don't think ascending sets are always a good answer, meaning every set we increase weight. So the first one, if this guy is – Somewhat strong, right? We're doing a safety squat. First set's at 185. All right, he crushed that for four. That's super fucking easy. Let's go to 225 for four. All right, that was a little bit more challenging. All right, we do 245 for four, and that was a good push. Let's finish at 245. Next week now, now that I've gathered my intel, we can start about 235, or we can start it right at 245, you know, just depending on what we got. I like either straight sets or even descending sets, I think are better than ascending. Because when we hit our descending, like even if we top out and we lose gas, like I can't, I can't do that weight anymore, man. All right, let's go down. Like we can lose the ego a little bit, but at least then we know we checked the box. We know we got enough of the strength stimulus in. If we're doing ascending sets and let's say we stopped at two forty-five, and that was still cake. Like he looks at me and he's like, I can't do more. Right. Then it's like, did we even hit the target? Did we try and do what we wanted to? So right. I think straight sets are descending sets are a little bit better than ascending. And I, again, I give concession that ascending sets have their place, but what for are sure. we contrasting well, with
0: in a, yeah. In a novice weightlifter, I guess, environment, it's probably not the, the place for ascending sets.
1: True. I like, what do we do? Broad jumps, single leg yeah. hops for sure. All day. Yeah. You want to do multi-planar. Little... Let's yeah, go. Cool. That's what I was about to say. Or backward lateral, and then rotational. Cool.
0: It works for me. Do you want to put X's on the ground, or you want to have them shoot for stuff? Say what? Like you want to have give targets for them to jump to?
1: Maybe week one, but then yeah. they should be able to police themselves. Yeah. I got you. Um, and then maybe a core postural corrective, which could center around palloff
0: press, single leg palloff press, just for fuck's sake. I
1: can dig. Uh, depending on his training age, like a palloff press in itself. I know it's pretty difficult, but I've but been
0: rocking with the single leg payoff presses recently. And I really like them right now.
1: That's legit, but that's, it's hard. super hard.
0: It's really hard. <laughs>
1: Fucking hard. <laughs> um, the other thing I, I do have to say about payoff presses, and I've been saying this more frequently than I probably should, or anybody cares to hear Um payoff presses and farmer carries are two of the most criminally underloaded exercises uh-huh. that have ever existed. Fucking put some weight on your payoff press, make that shit hard, carry some goddamn heavy weight, you know, 100%. What are you doing carrying forty four pounds? Unless what are you you're doing? doing
0: a suitcase carry versus a farmer's carry? Then I would sure,
1: that I sure that that adds a, a complexity component and uh, organization, but like
0: suitcase carry is one arm, by the way. Farmers would be two.
1: But your farmer carrying with forty four pounds in each hand, it's like yeah, just go get some not, groceries. You're, you're fine.
0: Yeah.
1: Yeah. So, um, all right, rant over. Next block <laughs> is going to be. Uh, we did upper body kind of overhead pressing. You want to do upper body horizontal pressing? Uh, we did a shot put last time. Okay. Uh, I mean, we did a land nine press. Oh, you're I right. Would, you're right. I would categorize as overhead, yeah, but correct. what are we uh, else are we missing? I mean, Here? I, like, I could Go add ahead.
0: in um,
1: something I like to pair is like, ex- not
0: explosive, but inverted rows.
1: I like inverted rows. And what I was going to say too, is um, since it's end of the week and since, you know, upper body is a little less demanding, we don't need to necessarily contrast it. We could do two upper body strength movements back to back. So, like, yeah. let's say an inverted row paired with like a weighted push up or a dumbbell press or something like that. Yeah. Dumbbell bench
0: press. Yeah, I like that. Dumbbell incline press. Sure. Uh, we That's already true. did the landmine, though. Oh, yeah, you're right. You're right. Yeah. Dumbbell floor press. I'm just being sure. complex for complexity's sake right now, just because I want right. to. Right. You're trying to sword.
1: sound smart. Yeah. You're trying <laughs> to fucking.
0: No. Uh, uh, look it- at all these nifty tools I got <laughs> that I could throw in the exercises whenever I want. No, nah, I like that. Uh inverted row and just dumbbell bench press.
1: And let's do a hip car with it. We haven't done any.
0: Oh, um, you're right. True.
1: Did we? again. So it'll all be written down. We'd have a very clean sheet progress if we were actually writing this down, which maybe we'll listen back and make the program out of it. You're free, you're free to do so as well. Count this one as a freebie. Um, um by um, the time that you listen to this, we'll be three months ahead of you. Good job.
0: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh no and then to end we'll do a density circuit we already did farmers carries so do you want to do like a front rack carry
1: i can jam uh or maybe just like a sandbag carry or Ooh, a searcher no, hold gun walk all right i can do do you like to do those banded
0: or with dumbbells uh i like to do it with plate first typically okay and are, I, I, i've, actually I've been, done it multiple ways i've been jumping with the chaos like banded mm-hmm. ones and those are fucking hard those are very hard uh one thing i really i did
1: i enjoyed and i did with the factory x team like maybe even just last block was we took like a half inch band you yeah. double it up and you're just spreading it with your hands holding it in a gun position so you're getting a lot of subscap activation and like core as you walk it's that was raw um cool or you could do a little thor's hammer wrist inversion eversion as you walk yeah uh, all right so, so those us- are just Those are options. Yes.
0: We'll do do dumbbells and inversion or pronation supination.
1: So this is where my ADD could run crazy. I don't don't have ADD. I don't want to say that. But uh, and give them a different stimulus on the gen walk every week.
0: Yeah, for sure.
1: You know, like we could hold dumbbells the first week, then it'd be banned the second week, and then plate pinch the third week and and just relatively same stimulus. But the variability will also lead to a little bit more gains.
0: Mm -hmm. I'm here for that after that so we pair that we'll start at eight minutes again so that'll be that one we could honestly just pair in did we do upper body yeah we did bench press i was gonna say we could just pair in push-ups
1: <laughs> <laughs> push-ups would be yeah i mean dope but they probably have the upper body capacity um maybe like uh like a rope toe
0: rope toe
1: you, know, you tie a rope on the sled and you just keep pulling it oh
0: in. got you yeah reverse we do that rope sled drag um, sure
1: that's the actual way to say it i don't know what i said <laughs>
0: <laughs> i'm like what the fuck are you talking about <laughs> dude Fucking
1: Dummy. Yeah. um well, like and that. then and then i'm down for a uh like a split squat or roof foot elevated just body weight like practice in the movement i know yeah. we did lunges on day two but
0: i know that's how about we do
1: lateral lunges
0: yeah that's what i was thinking uh, uh i was gonna say from a slider but lateral lunges are on a slider either one just yeah, doing I mean, into that frontal plane what,
1: what is your differentiation i guess or what do you think the value of the slider is versus just a stepping into the lateral lunge
0: uh the constant tension as you slide out so you can maintain that tension as you go through so like okay. i don't i don't do it on i don't use valve slides we have a Sorenex roller like the hamstring roller that i have mm-hmm. people do so as it rolls out it's smooth but you have to keep tension or else your leg's gonna slide out of the divot
1: yeah okay that's fine uh okay so that's our density circuit eight minutes of a gun walk rope sled drag and but lateral actually lunges.
0: if we're doing it for, for I'm going to completely regress off what I said, if we're doing the other two for meters, which we are, we're doing it for length of, of field, mm. then I'm going to do lateral lunges. So they'll just go down and back like walking lateral lunges.
1: All right. I don't think that matters that much, but
0: okay. Just keeps it the same. Cause then you just say Good. 20 meters for everything.
1: Yeah. Um, so I guess that rounds out our three days. One consideration that I would retrospectively look at is just, I guess, training volume. Like that's, uh,
0: so dense. <laughs> yeah. I mean,
1: we're, we're pretty conservative with our exercise prescriptions and what we're doing, but that's a lot of volume on somebody that's probably already got eight to 10 training sessions a, a week. So maybe we would dial back to two days if we find that they're getting overtrained or, um, yeah, it's just constantly inspect your program and constantly inspect what your athletes reactions to the program are. Um, yeah. So yeah.
0: And then we just, would just progress progressions. We like Alex talked about, we can go up in volume. We can go up in strength. We can go up in any way, shape, or form, depending on who the athlete is in front of you. So for like he was saying for the guy we're working with, it would be the welterweight who gets got to get stronger. We're going to increase weights as we go or that stair step approach, like he was saying, but you can upgrade Mm -hmm. by any, any type of progression you so choose.
1: Amen. Yeah. And, uh, I would watch out to, as you go into camp, I definitely hit that fourth week as a big D load because We know guys like to train technically crazy in camp. So it's definitely deload that fourth week. And then we'll, between phases now, progress a little bit more into some power exercise selection. Maybe we'll do the same movements, just for a little more power. Like instead of a trap bar deadlift, we'll do a trap bar jump shrug or a trap bar shrug, period. Bar, yeah.
0: Um, so,
1: foot. yeah. So there's just a, a couple different variables that happen as we progress into our specific physical prep for the fight. But no, that's a, that's pretty, I would say that's pretty realistic game. Yeah,
0: it's not kind of like session. most of our, yeah. I like, I, I mean, you pushed back and you tried to be real smart, but it's fine. No, I just, I wanted to get my points heard on that part. <laughs> Cause I oh, felt okay. like I was in the zone to say what I was actually trying to say. The other three times we've had that argument.
1: God, but no, I actually And this is going to sound cheesy, but I enjoy writing programs with you, Austin, because you love all this shit that I think is (laughs) annoying. The warm up, the intercept. I I love writing warm ups and I love
0: writing metabolic work. Like those are my
1: two favorite things. Dumb. Um, I don't mind metabolic work. I just find it a bit repetitive, but uh, something we're working on. Always getting better.
0: Yeah, but yeah, so that's, that is honestly an actual uh, talk between me and Alex. We're making a program. Um, if you guys have any questions or if you want to talk about how you make your programs, or want to get your voices heard. All of our information is in the show notes. So that'll be our Instagram and our emails. Um, if you want to sign up for one of our programs. So we have building a fighter training programs, a low back program. Um, and we're also going to get our courses coming out here soon. All of those different options are going to be at our website, buildingafighter.com. So head on over there if you want to get in touch and or buy one of our programs. Finally, this is Dr. Austin Shane. Alex Friedman. And we are out.